0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands
2: more.
3: Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's January 8th, 2013. It's our first show of the year. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. I have an all-star cast with me tonight. I got the Good Beer Seal guys. I got... Ben Granger from Beercraft, Ryan Barker from Adobe Blues, Josh Bernstein, a Brewed Awakenings author, and he's here with a new app he's going to talk about, and a special guest, Yeppe from Evil Twin. We've been uh, dying to meet him. Uh, Thanks to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. So many of the beers that we like, uh, you distribute in in the whole country, and uh, it's a great site to learn about. Everything from uh, beer cloud and uh, where to buy beers and uh, beer education, everything. So here on the Heritage Radio Network, it's 2013. 2012 ended uh, with a bang. We had Hurricane Sandy and, and it really affected New York. Uh, Ryan Ryan at Adobe Blues is in Staten Island. Uh, you know he was he experienced that and um, we're back. We made it through the New Year and I, I can't believe that it's a new year. Um, but hey, everybody, let's raise our, our toast. We've got uh, some of the evil twin beers tonight with Yeppi. Yeppi, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. So uh, you're, you're one of the cult brewers that, that we all love and aspire to meet. And Thank I can't you. believe I'm touching him.
2: <laughs> we're all Don't touching him. We're much. touching Yeppi. <laughs> Don't touch me too much.
3: <laughs> so we're, we're not going to ask about your your, your twin brother, McKellar. Who's that? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> now you're more famous than him. But uh, let's just start about talking about the basis. What beer are we drinking right now?
2: Um... The the beer we're drinking right now is called Hipster Ale. It's uh it's it's pretty simple uh, pale ale that I did. Um, hence the name Hipster Ale. Uh and it's actually the first and only beer I've made in cans. I thought it was obvious to put that in cans as the first one, so that's the one we're drinking now. It's made to be easy drinkable, still flavorful and to maybe, you know, get some of the non craft beer drinkers to to taste something new.
3: And Ben, do you carry a lot of Evil Twin at Beercraft? Oh, Brooklyn? yeah, we got tons of stuff, tons of the stuff, for sure. What are some of the favorites that you've had?
4: Uh well, I mean, we were just we were just talking about it, but I drank the um, ashtray heart the other night. We've had the cowboy, we've had hipster ale, the yin the yang, the yin and the yang in the same bottle. <laughs> uh, we've had uh, old was it old yin? Old yin, yeah, old yin. That whiskey like, whiskey casks, yeah, that yeah. stuff is oh, so delicious. Thank and you. obviously, we've had the you know had the hipster ale.
5: Disco is another great one too. Yeah, That's yeah, the, the Chardonnay Double IPA blend.
4: That was that was also that was delicious. All fantastic. Thanks. All no.
5: Fantastic, and
3: Ryan at Adobe Blues, I know in Staten Island, you probably have the best selection of beer. Uh, which of his beers have you had? Probably yeah. we do. Probably yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we've had we had Nurse Pepper on last year, which oh, was cool. phenomenal. That was awesome. Um, right now we have An Masa Jesus in um, in bottles, uh, is sort of like a winter seasonal. I think there's only one left, so hopefully I get to have that tonight. <laughs> there's
2: a coffee version coming out soon. Oh really? Yep. Awesome. On mass cafe Jesus. Yes, I'm in. That's the name I'm of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
3: So you're you're like the new breed of brewer. I know in Josh's book Brood Awakening he talked about collaborations. Um you know you're the new breed of brewer. Tell us w- what you do. You know it, it seems that you know Brian Strunk is doing it with Stillwater and you
2: um Uh, I mean, they call us gypsy brewers. Uh, We didn't come up with the term, but someone did, and that's kind of what they call us. Um, The big difference between us and normal brewers are that we don't have our own facility. Um, We go in and rent other people's facilities because, you know, if they have extra capacity, we might as well use it. and it gives us a freedom to do stuff, uh, you know, we can do one-off batches, and if it doesn't come out good, or if it doesn't sell good, or whatever, we don't have to do it again. We don't have, you know, we don't have a big investment, we have to pay back. Uh, that gives us gives us a big freedom. It um, also, you know, we like to travel, and it's fun to be able to go to, you know, I go to Spain and brew a beer, I go to Norway and brew a beer, I go to Scotland and brew a beer. It's fun to, you know, to go to different places and see friends and brew some beers and drink even more beers, and... Yeah, that's kind of where we
5: at. So now, sorry uh, so now you've jumped onto the uh, other side of the Linux. Now you've kind of made a uh, home in Brooklyn, and so we're going to see a
2: lot more beers being brewed in the U.S. Definitely. I mean, uh, the reason for for me to move to the U.S. with my family was uh, primarily because Evil Twin was growing a lot, and I pretty much sold everything I made in the U.S. I chose to do that because you know it's a it's a it's a good market to get into. It's a fun place to you know to 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 work and to yeah I mean it's a good it's a good market and I also had this envision that you know there was a new brewery opening up in Connecticut that I knew that I was gonna brew at, and that had something to do with our move also because i i mean my problem right now is I don't have a lot of i don't have enough capacity uh I could brew more and I could sell more, but it's been very limited and I saw this place in Connecticut opening up and you know, we have been involved since the very beginning and they had capacity. So that's... Yeah, yeah
3: but tell us about the, the place in Connecticut.
2: I mean, the Connecticut place is called Two Roads. It's uh, it's a new uh, kind of a production brewery where they build it, you know, for themselves to make their own line of beers, but also to bring in guys like us who needs the capacity. So it's kind of, you know, a, a home for Gypsy brewers to brew more beers, Um my plan at at Two Roads is to to make uh, bigger scale of some of my most popular beers and have them out in in bigger scale and uh, at way better prices also, which is gonna help a lot. So I have planned eight years for this for 2013, oh, eight beers for two thousand thirteen uh, that are all gonna come out in four packs and and, and cakes. Um,
5: so how much does shipping cost impact impact your beer? And how much more affordable can they be made by making the U.S.?
2: I mean, it's not just the shipping. The shipping imp- impacts something, of course, but the breweries. First of all, Europe is way more expensive in, you know, labor and ingredients than it is over here. So that that counts also. Plus, the breweries I'm using in Europe are uh, most of them are pretty small, and you know, doing ten hectoliters compared to now that I'm doing like 120 hectoliters at the time. It's it's a big difference. And one of the breweries I'm brewing at in Denmark, which is uh, well, which is the brewery I've done most uh, beers at so far, is you know lo- located on a small island, and they have to sail the malt to the to the island, brew the beer, and sail, <laughs> sail it back. It's, that's actually how it is, and that's you know it all all adds up and puts. Wait, puts where's it, is that
3: uh, island brewing? What's
2: that? It's Fainu, uh oh, yeah. I've done a lot of experimental beers, and you know all my you know. Even what Jesus and newspaper that you mentioned, all those are all done in Faena. It's a good brewery because it's small, so you can do experimental batches. Uh, and they had a really good brewer. He unfortunately he's, he's he moved on and moved to England now. Um, but where is it? What, what country? In, in Denmark. In Denmark. Yeah, Faena is a small island on the west coast of Denmark. So it's like I think it's the most western part of the most west part of Denmark you can go to. So it's out there. It's it gets cold in the winter. <laughs> do you? <laughs>
6: sorry one question I've always had is how difficult is it to find space at a brewery to brew these like I think about that with with you certainly with pretty things with still water. you know I, it, at least it seems to me that if I had a brewery I would want to be pumping out as much beer as I could
2: exactly and it is difficult I mean I you know I have a lot of guys especially uh, contacting me and asking how do I become a gypsy brewer and what does it take and I I really you know I've been home brewing for many years I would like to try the same and blah 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 I always like to say you know there's two things you need to figure out first first of all you need to find someone to sell your beers because that is actually probably the most difficult part second of all you have to find a place to brew them because you know as you say a lot of these breweries even the ones I use they don't have any extra capacity so it's it comes down to you know a long time relationship and we've been friends and you know i have a distribution company in, in denmark also that i distribute all over europe so i actually distribute a lot of those breweries already so they kind of feel they owe me something um, <laughs> <laughs> like a brewery in, i brew at a brewery in holland called the molen which is mm-hmm. one of the best Absolutely breweries in the world wow, yeah. and you know for me to get into the Molin, pretty much came down to me being good friends with them and you know distributing their beers in denmark otherwise they would have been like you know we don't have capacity. Why would we, as you said, brew for you? So it's not easy. Ben, did you have a question?
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, I was curious if <clears throat> if you felt that the American market was a little okay. bit more open to some of like the crazier things that you do with your beers. Because I mean, they're, they're some of your beers are nothing short of crazy for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. coffee and barrel <clears throat> aging yeah. and wine barrel aging. So so do you think you know? Did it play more of a a, a role in your decision? Of it did. You know, I mean,
2: I. I love the American beer market. I, I I really, really love it. And I think what's going on over here is amazing. And Europe uh, is way behind. I think Europe will get there eventually, but for now, it's it's way behind. Um, I mean, it's, you know, Americans are more open and more, yeah, as you say, the crazy stuff, where even Denmark, which a lot of people see Denmark as the new beer country. It is, but we're still... I have a
3: story about Denmark. I know the, uh, the, the consul from Denmark in uh, New York, and a couple of years ago we did a, a rye bread project, a special event, and I met the consul, and, and he shook my hands. He said, I'm embarrassed because at the consul in New York, we serve Budweiser. That <laughs> and, is embarrassing. Uh, he, he, he hired us, <laughs> and, we, and we actually brought in Danish craft beers, cool. and we served them at the consulate. Excellent. But that's they weren't it. even serving Carlsberg. They were serving Budweiser. That's the way to do it. So that's, that's, that's where Europe's at. That's what you're saying. Yeah. But in America, tell us, like, so what are some of the cities that you regularly go to? You know, you, you must sell. I know you sell in New York. You, you're, you've made beer in South Carolina. Uh, what are other cities that you travel to regularly?
2: I mean, we tra- I travel a lot, and that's kind of the part of being at UFC, both for brewing, but also, you know, for promoting the brand and all um, I think we're in 35 states right now, which is quite a lot. I don't go to all of them, but I bring to a lot of them. Um, I g- we go a lot to California. We have a big market out in California. Uh, you know, California is pretty much the home of, of IPAs, so we don't want to compete with them on that. But they're open to, you know, getting other stuff in. Um, and place like Chicago I like a lot. I go a lot to Chicago and have a lot going on out there, have some good accounts and, you know, work with some good places. Um
3: so, so like you, you know, Brian Strumpkin from Stillwater. You guys are kind of like DJs, right?
2: Uh, I don't know about around. that. He used to be. <laughs> he used to be Brian and I, are good friends, and we work under the same distributor on the twelve percent. So we're very attached, and you know the Perfect Crime thing that we did, the one with the white label. It's 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 not a Stillwater or an Evil Twin brand. It's actually a new brand we registered. So we're releasing those beers under the Perfect Crime, which is me and Brian together and. You know, we do a lot of stuff together. We travel a lot together.
3: Well, you guys are doing cool things. Uh, Josh, right. what, what's the next beer that you opened? I think
2: we got right now the uh,
5: Femme Fatale Brett, which seems to be like a really nice, easy-going 6% IPA with a little bit of uh, brown amyces in there. Not too much. Like, it's just a little, uh, a little like, like funky kick in there, but not not gonna. Yeah, it, it just kind of like
4: hangs out in the back there, dries little, it out, gives a little earth. Yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. Actually, it's not a little bit; it's actually 100 percent bread. But yeah. it's pretty young, so that's why you, you know can't taste it that much. But I, you know, I've done other beers with bread, and you know, it's fun to experiment with bread. But with this one, I wanted to go all the way, so it's only fermented with bread. So it, you know, it's very fruity and easy drinkable to begin with. But after half a year, it's going to be like funky and. So and you're weird. saying,
3: should we actually hold the beer? I mean, this is in my cellar at Jimmy's number 43. You could. I should mean, I keep it, or should I wait for you to release more that's
2: I think you should funkier. keep some, because yeah. it, it changes a lot. I actually went to a place called Mission Dolores in Park Slope mm. recently, and they had a cake on of the old bats that I did back in Denmark. This one is brewed in South Carolina. Um, and that cake was just funky as hell. It was fun to try, but I haven't had it for, for a long time. I think it was a little over a year old, and it was, like, really, really funky, so... You should definitely keep some of them and buy some new ones and you know, the fun thing about a bread beer and same thing with Orval for example, which is pretty much the mother of bread beers, it's fun to, you know, serve them to people in different ages because you can really see how much they develop and how much they change over time.
4: Yeah, there's a, a complete change. Yeah, a complete, like this beer in a year, the hops are just going to lay right down on it. Those floors are going to lay right back, and that Brett's just going to have forward, a lot of fun. Get super funk for sure. Ben,
3: do you do you hold back beers at beer craft? all the time? I mean, oh, yeah.
4: we have a we have a huge cellar program. So as as cool stuff comes out that we feel you know is going to get good good in a year or good in five years, we'll hang on to it. And oftentimes. Because a lot of the sellable stuff it sells right away, because because uh, you know beer drinkers want to sell their own stuff sometimes. So exactly. we'll we'll take you know half or thirty percent, drop it down in the cellar, leave the rest on the floor, let everybody buy it out, and then give it a re-release in a year, two years, or five years, or seven years, or whatever it might
3: be. Great, Ryan. Do you, do you do you hold back any beers at Adobe Blues in Staten Island?
6: Yeah, we do a little bit. We've started to, we've started to do it. Um, I got some uh, some brucks this year in Nevada Russian River, um, and I served some of it right away uh, and gave those people tasting notes, and then held on to held on to the rest. And I think I'm going to give it probably six or eight months, and uh, you know, email those people and say, "Hey, your next bottle's ready," and give them their tasting sheet back. So you they know, I, I, I do wish some
3: out. of the distributors would hold on some. Every once in a while, we get a, a release of something that was held back. Often inadvertently, like a few years ago, there was a, a Brooklyn Brewery Schneider collaboration Hopfen mm. that the distributor had, had had extra of, and they released it a year later. And you know the difference from the new you know Hopfen Weiss that was so forward hops to this really balanced, like really mature, really great beer was amazing, and, I, and I, I feel like that we all have a role in it. Some bars do it, but I think the distributors and breweries should also hold back some beer the same way that wineries do. What do you think about that, Josh?
5: Well, I, found I was just in Burlington for a Christmas break with my wife, and like I was at this beer shop, and it, it was so amazing. that this entire display of 2010 Smutty Nose Wheat Wine, which is a really marvelous beer, and the beer doesn't even get really good till about two years, but the people had just kind of held it back and forgot about it, and they were selling it for $2 a bottle. <laughs> I know Good for you $2 a bottle <laughs> So I was like I wasn't intending To get quite so drunk That night But I mean At $2 a bottle of, yeah. For you know 10-11% delicious Three year old beer It's like we, we have those bottles On the shelf right now The two
3: I, <laughs> I, I, I think the 2010 they, they are definitely Not $2 a bottle <laughs> <laughs> Okay so we're Everyone's here We're all touching Yuppie Yuppie Evil twin over here Touching you. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna take A short break We'll be back In a few minutes On Beer Sessions Radio
5: You're listening to Quit in Time by Pamela Royal on the Heritage
4: Radio Network.org. Like what you hear
1: so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org today.
3: Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're so happy to be here. It's 2013. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number Forty, Number Forty Three. We've got the Good Beer Seal All Stars tonight. Ben Granger from BeerCraft, Ryan Barker from Adobe Blues, our favorite beer writer Josh Bernstein, and our new hipster brewer buddy, <laughs> Yeppe from Evil Twins. Yes. Yeah. So you said you're working with um, a place in Connecticut called Two Roads, and and that's actually uh, our friend Phil Markowski is involved in that, right?
2: His. That's a new brewery that, that he's. He's one of the of. guys behind that. Yeah.
3: So and you're saying they're welcoming other people to contract blue and, and Gypsy Brewing. I
2: think they actually filled up the capacity, but uh, that's the plan. I mean, we we took over a lot of the capacity, and we're going to start brewing the first batch next week, so it's pretty exciting.
3: All right. Yeah. And on on the line we've got a, a cool call in guest. Um, there's a place up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, it started with the A and G Homebrewing Supply, and now it's called Earth Eagle Brewing. Alex McDonald, he's making a traditional styles of beer called Gruit with, with herbs and, and plants. Uh, Alex, are you on the line?
7: We are, yeah, yeah.
3: Great, man. We've got some cool people here that uh, are in New York City, and uh, they all want to ask you questions. So first thing is tell us how, how, you, how you got started. You were a home brewer, and, uh, and now you have a brewery. But is Gruit your specialty?
7: Yeah, I would say um, we started, you know, obviously we started out as homebrewers, opened the homebrew store, and then started our small brewery, a little one-barrel brew house here in Portsmouth. Um, we do about 50% of what we brew is gruets.
3: Cool. And, and tell us the ingredients that you work with, because you're not just working with hops and grains, right?
7: Yeah, gruets uh, traditionally were brewed from like the 16th century and before, before hops were introduced into brewing. Uh, so. It was usually you used whatever was local to your area, so a lot of people brewed with yarrow and heather tips and juniper berries and you know and different things like that. Um, so we we take a little spin on the historical brews and play play a lot with the different herbs that are available to us.
5: What what are you finding indigenously around the uh, New Hampshire area that you can brew with? Uh,
7: well, you know, I mean, technically locally, we, we're um, there is a um, Place here in Portsmouth called Prescott Park, which is one of the first settlements in New England. Uh, that there are a lot of local herbs grown right on property, mm-hmm. but uh, we get a lot of our stuff through um, local herbalists.
3: Awesome. And Ben Ben Grange is here in New York, a beercraft. It's a great beer shop. He's a homebrewer as well. Ben. So so yeah. are you are you using any uh,
4: any of your bittering agents? Any of the uh, any of the herbs that you're getting? Are they what specifically is like? kind of local to the area that you're using um
7: that's a good question i'm not sure what like is actually local to new england per se um i think a lot of the stuff that grows uh you know all over the world like yarrow yeah
4: um,
7: we use a lot of yarrow um sweet gale wild rosemary things like that um
4: what do you think the craziest thing is that you uh that you've put in a beer instead of hops to to balance it out
7: uh, we actually do a hog head beer. Uh, we smoke a pig's head and uh, use that in a beer. Uh, not in the herbal sense, but probably the weirdest ingredient we've used.
2: <laughs> that's cool. That might be one of the coolest things I've ever heard. I've done. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I, I did a stout some last year, and uh, it was just a normal stout, but I aged it on a uh, Spanish ham. It was. <laughs> oh, cool! It, it came out pretty good. <laughs> that, that's like that's like my two favorite things on the planet:
4: is pork <laughs> and beer.
2: Did you eat the ham yeah. afterward? I actually did. It was extremely bitter. I think it absorbed a lot of the pain so. <laughs> in But it was fun.
6: Nice, nice. Uh, my question would be, what are the challenges with uh, getting people to try these? You know, if you say, hey, I made a beer uh, with a pig's head.
7: You know, it's it's amazing. Um, I think craft beer enthusiasts have come a long way. I mean, they're, they're excited to try it.
3: Definitely. I mean, you've got, you know... What what else do people put in beer? They put oysters. They put lobsters. They put pig's yep. ears. They put testicles, Right at the G- the GABF this year in Colorado, our friend Chris O'Leary wrote about the weirdest beers, and one of them was it was like a it was a was that a it Rocky was a, Mountain oyster beer that was. Oh it, right? yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. It, that started off as a spoof though, and then at because they got showed. so yeah they got so many hits on it, they were like hey. Well, we got to do it now. Now they're
5: selling it in two packs soon enough. <laughs> uh,
2: that's I just, I just read about it.
3: <laughs> yeah, and you know we 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 had um, a beer dinner last year with the chefs from the brewery at uh, Schlankola in Germany, and, and his requirement was he wanted to do uh, you know bull testicle carpaccio, and instead <coughs> they couldn't find it, so he substituted veal brisket. Now how does that connect? <laughs> it's either veal brisket or bull testicle not the same thing no no no, no, no. no, no, no. (laughs) but i'm I'm sure that in 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 beer maybe the veal proteins and the bull proteins might equal is that what is that what you're looking for when you put those things in a beer yep are you looking for proteins and and
2: things like that no i'm looking for flavor that's why i do it i mean it's you know i i you know i just i like as you say i like i like ham and i like so so is it better if we
3: roast the meat first or do you put the raw meat in
2: no, the one we used was dried, you know, 3-year-old uh, dried Spanish ham. You know, I wanted something with less fat, as little fat as possible, and you know, this salty, meaty flavor, just, you
4: know. Speaking of fat, how did how does the uh how does the fat, how do the lipids in and the hog's head and the Spanish ham? How does that affect the yeast and fermentation, yeah, is I, it?
7: Yeah, I would say like the the biggest thing, the biggest problem is the fats more than anything, uh, mm. for, but um uh, but that, you know, we basically we make a soup broth out of it, and then uh, you know, refrigerate it so we can get all of that out of there.
4: Ah, so you clarify it, and then you and then you drop the clarified. Pig broth, broth in.
2: and yeah. yeah, yeah. The the one I did was just you know it was just a f- a few kicks uh, after fermentation, so it's pretty much just you know dry hamming it.
7: <laughs>
2: That's what, what I did. Dry hamming it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna quote that later on today, by the way, so, a-
3: Alex. What? Why do you? I mean, I don't think Gruet's that strange. We, we've seen a lot more people doing historical styles, Gruet, Gruditsky. You know, they they seem to be very trendy. Um, why why do you? turn your protein into a broth and, and add that in and why do you use meat at all like wh- what do you gain from, from adding the meat to your beer
7: well I, I think it's a flavor profile it's just something different to try um we were trying to get a, a smoky uh pork based beer um just to see what it would see what it'd be and it turned out to be something that people really dug so
4: did did you find you you I mean when you made the broth you smoked the you smoked the pig's head and then you make this broth and the pig's head has a, a substantial amount of collagen protein in it. Did that collagen protein add like a super richness to the beer with the uh, along yeah, with that kind of smoky flavor?
7: Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, and we do a porter with it, so it's nice and you know it's got a lot of roasted malt or or you know not roasted but you know nice uh, sure darker malts in there and then. Um, you know, and it finished with a nice pork, uh, pork roast. So it was really all I needed was some mashed potatoes, and it would have been like a full-on meal.
4: <laughs> a nice porky finish. That's great. Yeah. I've never said that about a beer, but I, I may, I may say it later.
5: So, actually, where are you guys selling in town? Portsmouth is such a fantastic beer town. Knows Smutty Nose has really been such a catalyst and a driver. So, are you guys doing mostly um, growler fills? Or are you selling it from the bars around town? Or how are you guys doing yeah, distribution? Yeah,
7: so right now, um, being just a one-barrel brew mm-hmm. house, we're right next door to the home brew store. And, um, you know, we're just selling everything right out of our tap room. Uh, we're open on the weekends, four-hour windows, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And people are coming in. Uh, you, you can get samples, and then fill growlers to take home.
5: So it's basically, so it's like nothing's really on tap around town. So if they want, they got to come to you.
7: Oh, I think I lost you guys.
5: Uh, uh, no, just saying. So most of your stuff is just so if they want to find your beer, they have to come to you.
7: Right now, yeah, the only place to
5: find our beer is on, is in the tap room. That's one good way to have exclusivity. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you,
3: you guys are awesome. One So okay. So we're going to open another beer. Listen, you you can't taste Alex, but we're going to drink another Evil Twin beer. What what's the next beer, guys? Now
2: that we are talking about, you know, smokiness and and meat and stuff. Maybe we should do the Cowboy. Yeah, the Cowboy. Which is uh, it's a smoky uh it's a smoked Pilsner. Um, I actually I want to tell you the story. I got the idea. I was uh, was at a friend's place in um in Oakland, California, that's actually the guy on the label, and we were just sitting one night drinking beer and all of a sudden he said, "I always wanted to be a cowboy
4: <laughs> and I, you know I, we
2: started talking about what what a, what beers cowboys actually drink, and came. Looked it up on Google and uh, came to, like, they, they drink shitty lagers. And, I, you know, I didn't want to, I wasn't ready to try and make a shitty lager, so. Google what
5: really says shitty lagers for cowboys? Yeah, they did. <laughs> Look it up. You know, they drink,
2: like, Pabst and Miller and stuff like that. <laughs> so we came up with this idea of doing a smoke pills because, you know, sitting around the bonfire at night and, you know, being a cowboy. And uh, so that's uh, the idea behind this beer.
3: Well, it's good. It, it tastes like a shitty lager, you know? It does. Oh, it's like, it's, it, it's well, shitty, the smoke gives a you the... smoke <laughs> lager. Yeah, the smoke
2: over, overcomes any bad flavors. It right? does. It does. It's uh, it's 10% smoke malt, so it's not overdone with smoke, but it has a little bit of smokiness, and I think it came out nice and drinkable.
3: Alex, I feel bad for you up there in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You're missing out right now. There's
5: plenty of good beer up yeah, there. But <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, how about this? Let's ask this one thing. So you've got a homebrew shop there, the A&G Homebrewing Supply in Portsmouth. To New Hampshire. What are the main things that you sell out of there, and how strong is the homebrew community in Portsmouth, New Hampshire?
7: Yeah, the, the homebrewing is is huge around here. Um, you know, Portsmouth's pretty centrally located for New England, so we're only you know fifty miles north of Boston, forty miles south of Portland, Maine. So uh, you know, we get a lot of a lot of traffic through here in Portsmouth because of Smutty Nose and the Portsmouth Brewery, and and now Earth Eagle. You know, a lot of people are coming here to check it out, and um, you know we're getting a lot of tourism as well. So we're getting a lot of people from New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island. They're all shopping at our store because it's tax-free in New Hampshire.
3: Mm-hmm. So do you sell bottles of beer, too, and, th- and, and other things?
7: No. Uh, the state of New Hampshire is really tight when it comes to liquor laws. So um, you have to be a convenience store, technically, in the state of New Hampshire to sell beer. Wow. So, uh, so you, you actually so we, sell,
3: you have a lot of people buying homebrew supplies?
7: Oh, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. selling a lot of supplies, yeah.
3: And what, what are like some of the top items that you sell, like malt tops, kits? What, what, are, what are your number one and number two selling items?
7: Yeah, I would say we have a lot of all-grain brewers around here, so we do sell a lot of grain, uh, a lot of hops, a lot of yeast. Um, and then there's a lot of people just getting into it, so we do sell some kits and uh, you know starter kits and ingredient kits as well, so.
2: What what is the most sought after hop for a home brewer?
7: Most most people are brewing IPAs. Yeah, it seems to be the the most popular style.
2: Okay, even, even in
4: a climate where like a lot of home brewers are brewing IPAs because. I mean, I'm a home brewer and I brew a lot of IPAs, for sure. But um going to you guys to, to, to buy ingredients, do you have a lot of people show up that are asking, hey, what's like what are some other things that I can use? I, I mean, do you have like kind of a lot of consults for home brewers as as far as guiding them into using yarrow or heather or pig worms heads. wood or pigs? <laughs>
7: Yeah. Where where do I source a local pig head? I, uh, of yeah.
4: selling it. <laughs> you guys should look no. into no. selling quarts of uh home brewing pig stock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um
7: Yeah, you know, yeah, we get that question quite often, but uh but I would say um, you know, Belgian styles, um, you know, people are, are always asking questions about um you know, soaking oak chips and how to how to create oaky beers and There's there's definitely a lot of people that are interested in doing different stuff, but I would say you know the IPAs and pales are the more common beers that most people are brewing out there. Uh, It doesn't seem like there's too much adventurous, too too many adventurous homebrewers in the area at the moment. So.
5: Well, I was going to say, my wife's family is from Rochester, New Hampshire, and so that no tax thing kind of struck a chord, because every time that we go back up there, she's like, you know what, Josh, we need to load up the car with everything that we possibly can and not pay tax on it. And, c- and cigarettes, too, <laughs> Beer yeah, exactly. included. Beer <laughs> included. Wow.
3: All right. Hey, I'll tell you what. Um, Alex, you're welcome to stand there. We're going we're to come talk uh, a lot more things in a few minutes. Um, But hey, I can't even talk straight. It's been what a year, Sandy. And New Year's Eve, I was wrecked on New Year's Eve. Jimmy's number 43, it was a wild night. Does that mean drunk? I was wrecked. (laughs) You can't say drunk on the air. I'm a responsible drinker, Joe. But hey, let's take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network.
5: This one's called Off My Mind
4: by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
1: We all know what a foodie is, but what's foodiness?
5: Foodiness is turning us into those chubby, slushy,
7: slurping, lounge chair-bound morons in Wally. Plugged in, pumped full of sugar, and brain dead.
1: Chef Erica Wides is here to fight against foodiness. You have to keep drinking the Let's Get Real Kool-Aid for it to start to work. Let's Get Real. Rediscover real food every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
3: Hey, all right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're blessed to have so many really awesome shows and great hosts on this network. Erica Wad's a great friend. In fact, she usually comes on right after us at 6 or 6.30 on Tuesdays. Um, Well, hey, another great show. There's Cutting the Curd. It was one of the first shows on Heritage Radio Network. It was Ann Saxby's show. Uh, It was about cheese, and it was because of that that we were inspired to do the Beer Sessions Radio because she was our buddy. and We're like, hey, if Ann Saxby's doing a show on Heritage Radio Network— we want to do one, too. So there's a lot of great history here. We're going on our third year. In fact, in, in February, it'll be our third year uh, hosting Beer Sessions Radio, and we'll be celebrating it at, as part of New York City Beer Week. Uh, there's the New York City Brewer's Choice, which is, which is the featured event, and uh, Dave Broderick and the whole uh, Beer Sessions Radio crew produces it. So um, there's a lot coming up this year in 2013. But, hey, shout-out to all the great Heritage Radio Network hosts, and you can become a member, too. Uh, go to org. All right, here we are, back in the studio. Yeppe, Josh, Ben, Ryan, and Alex from uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So, um, Alex, are you still on the air up there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, the other question was, uh, Yeppe and Ben, they wanted to know, wh- what is the, you said you, you sold, a, a lot of people wanted to make IPA, but what's the top hop itself
6: and that you guys saw? And there's money riding the on
7: this. <laughs> yeah, certainly. The, the top hop, I would say, like, everybody wants Amarillo.
6: Oh. Wait, what? What
3: did you I was guys bet? Say that I was going to say. Yeah. That. In, in the little break, they bet it was Citra. So, Galaxy. Uh, okay. <laughs> ben, you lost twenty bucks. Yepi, you lost two hundred. it's currency. Now you know, we get to touch Yepi again. You guys <laughs> know this, but Yepi, we're touching him. He's from
2: Denmark. I lost another and, touch.
3: In New York, you know, Denmark is it's another country and another continent. Uh, there's there's Danish chefs, uh, but it's so wild. Denmark is so small. It is, five, and yet five you guys have such an impact. Is it? What is it? Is it because you're small, and you guys are a trading nation, or something?
2: You know, I, I don't know. It's the you know, <laughs> we only five million people, and if we want to be seen in the, in the in the world, we have to make a lot of ourselves. So I think that's what it comes down to. Well, I, we I have do to like, shout I mean, out loud.
3: I noticed the last couple of years, you know, the the little bit of craft beer activity up there, Denmark stands out. You know, there's that's one or two in Sweden, one or two, you know, in Longlio and Norway, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot
2: going on in Denmark. I don't know. It's we're just very adventurous and I don't know we have I think now we have like 130 breweries uh, breweries for 5 million people so it's actually a lot of wow. a lot of breweries. Well
3: uh, another feature of the show tonight our good friend Josh Bernstein uh, author of Brewed Awakenings which is an awesome book and I was reading it last night.
5: Thank you Jimmy. Yeah,
3: I was inspired. Um, you came up with an app called Craft Beer New York and tell us about the app and and how we can we can interact with it as consumers and bar owners.
5: Indeed. Well you know what? Ten years ago, finding a good beer in New York City was pretty easy. There was a handful of great places to go out. I mean, you had Blind Tiger Alehouse, House. You had um, – work with me here, everybody. DBA. DBA. DBA beer Crafts. Adobe Barbie Blues. blues <laughs> all those places. But now – it's Alehouse. House. Yeah. Nowadays, it really seems like there's a new uh, there's a new bar, there's a new brewery, a new bottle shop opening just about every week and every month. And it seems like it's an exaggeration, but it really is not. I mean, no, it's the truth. New York City is just kind of really exploding in such a big way right now, and it's just we we are behind for so long. And when you're behind for so long in this town, it catches up at an accelerated clip, I think. And so New York is really on its way to being a great a great craft beer town. But the question is, where do you actually go to get a great craft beer in this city? And so. We're a town of you know, eight million people. Fifty million tourists come through here every year, and so I mean it's a question that I got asked all the time, and so I kind of got tired of responding to emails. And then this company, Blue Crow Media, out of London, contacted me, and they asked me to put together this app. Where the basic idea is, no matter where you're standing in New York City, you're going to find the best place to uh, to get a beer, to buy a beer, and find a brewery or a brew pub. So, Josh, just for me, because I'm, how do I get
3: get your app? Like, do I just Go on my iPhone or something? Yeah,
5: right now it's available in the uh, in the iTunes App Store for Craft Beer New York. They'll be available for Android in March. All right, cool. So, yeah, I did all the reviews, all the write ups. I've been writing about bars and beer in New York City for about twelve years now, going everywhere from BeerCraft to Adobe Blues. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw this
4: app on iTunes for well, sure. I it was somebody emailed it to me, and they, they emailed it to me because it was being advertised advertised on iTunes with BeerCraft storefront on it. It which is was
5: totally rad. It does have beer front totally of there. We did that just to get the mention on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I downloaded it um, all right.
6: a day or two after it came out. Um, it's only two bucks, which is incredible to have all this knowledge in your pocket for, for two bucks. Or at least when I downloaded it, it was two bucks.
5: Maybe it's not now. Oh, yeah. It's still two bucks. We'd be amazed at the pushback because, I mean, people are so used to paying for things for free nowadays. Or, or sorry, not paying, getting things for free nowadays. I drank, I, I got wrecked on the last beer. Right. <laughs> but getting <laughs> getting things for free, that paying two bucks seems just like this onerous thing for folks. I mean, people pay $8 for a beer at bars nowadays, I mean, in Manhattan. I mean, and two bucks is a tip. And it's, it's kind of crazy, and I feel like I have to combat people sometimes, and then I just, just kind of give up. I'm like, if you don't want to spend two bucks... You're not going to spend two bucks.
3: All right, Josh, keep guiding us through the show. Josh has been opening all the beers tonight. It's a special role on the show. What's the next beer? I think I'm the one with the bottle
5: opener. (laughs) 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 I think the next beer we're going to do, the folks from Algash were really nice, and they sent this one down to us. It's their new Cool Ship series beer, and Cool Ship is their series of spontaneously fermented I mean, they're, they're basically American lambics. And this one is, this one's just, they usually do some with fruit, like the cerises, cherries. This one is going to be a straight ale, Asian oak. And so we haven't actually tried it yet, so we're going to give it a nice little oh, that's great. pop. Delicious. And then Ben what's, will pass it on. What's the name of this beer? That's a resurgum. Oh,
7: yeah. Yeah, Allagash is about 40 minutes north of here, man. I
3: tell you, they got some great beer. So, Alex, up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, so you think that, is there a great beer scene up there? Uh,
7: Oh yeah it's phenomenal up here I mean we've got you know it's, it, Port, Portland itself is exploded with breweries and, and really great breweries um and Allegasse is just top class
5: so so how, how have how bars like uh Black Birch and Kittery kind of helped uh helped really change the scene down there and I think Todd Mott's opening up a uh opening up a brewery yeah. nearby too from Portsmouth
7: yeah. Todd's due to break ground in the spring on his uh he's putting in a ten barrel brew house um the Black Birch, I mean, that place is phenomenal. They have a great tap list, great guys, great food. Um, and I think there's a lot of, yeah, Portsmouth itself is a foodie culture, um, and so and beer just goes right along with that.
3: You know, I, I grew up in New England, too, and I always like going to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, I, I, I'm really happy that we're talking to you. And right now we're, t- we're drinking the Allagash, the Cool Ship, what's it called, Resurgium? Yeah. And uh, uh, what do you think about this, Ryan?
6: It's, I really like it. Uh, it's got just enough tart for me. I mean, Allagash is one of those brews, especially as a person that buys beers and sells it to people, that I know that I can always go to. Like, they're always going to make something solid, and I can always drink it. I can I always just, whatever it is, I know it's going to yeah, be I was, good. I was
3: talking to the, the Allagash Rat uh, last week in New York. And he said, you know, everyone, I guess, knows that Allagash White is their main beer that everyone buys. And that's still – that's pretty wild. It's like a Belgian wit, and that's their most popular beer. And he, and he said, what's just your second most popular beer? It's the Allagash Black which is like, it's a black ale, maybe a hint of wheat. I remember when that came out, that was obscure. Number three is Alagash Triple. I mean, isn't that a great American brewery that their top three beers are like Belgian style and wheat style? It, it's amazing, you know? They're not doing an IPA either, are they?
5: No, I mean, if you go anywhere, anywhere in New England, you're going to find like Algash White's like the constant on tap. It's like being anywhere near near St. Louis and Budweiser used to be on tap everywhere. Allegash White is just kind of like, it's, it's the local beer now. My, my wife's mother likes Allegash White, and she drinks MGD64, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
3: <laughs> uh, well, New England. Hey, ben, do you carry a lot of Allegash? Yeah, we have tons of Allegash.
4: I mean, you know, we have uh, the flagship stuff—the white and the triple—and we also have, you know, the Curio and the black and the Humalone when it came out, which is, I think was uh, Allegash's approach to an IPA a while back. And yeah, I mean, they, they was, have
7: an IPA now called Humalone.
4: Yeah, Humalone. So yeah, Humalone. We had a few like two years ago, two and a half years ago, came out. Came out with a picture of dude and. The uh, chemical compound for uh, for the alpha, or actually for Hugh Malone, uh, on the actual labels.
3: Hasn't it was na- the dude's name was Hugh
4: Malone? Malone. Yeah, I just yeah.
3: got that joke now. Yeah. I mean, Hugh <laughs> Malone and <laughs> Hugh ah! Malone. <laughs> oh my god! You know we're, we're geeking out today. It's our first show of the year, and we're having fun. Where I think we're on was our fourth beer, and, and somebody said to me, "Oh my god, they're on their like sixth beer at the end of the show." It's well, we've had like four beers between five of us. Yeah, tonight. we doing good? Yeah, we're just getting <laughs> warmed up. Right? And we got a guy in the, the porch of New Hampshire who's not even... Are you drinking anything, Alex?
7: Oh, yeah. I'm drinking in my tap room right now, of course. <laughs> so what's it,
3: tell us what you're drinking, because we, we didn't get a chance to get your samples.
7: <laughs> well, I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking a, uh, a Walton Henry, which is uh, a Gruet with uh, Sweet Flag, Miracle Gale, and Wild Rosemary. Uh, Sweet Flag was an herb that Walt Whitman and Henry Thoreau used to make teas of and then go walk in the woods and write poetry.
4: <laughs>
3: wow, what are you implying there? <laughs> I, know, I know, right? <laughs> Other, do you get herbal buzz? Is that what it is?
7: Well, it's it's kind of a common. It, it's similar to hops. You know, it, you know they have that uh, you know relaxation kind of effect.
3: And what, tell us about another beer that you have on tap right now.
7: Uh, we have uh, the Grange, which is a locally sourced um, pale ale. Uh, it 's he- hit heavily with nugget actually from a hop farm on Long Island called uh, Pint to the Pint to Farm or farm to Pint i mean
3: so you you also make beers that aren 't gruets oh
7: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we brew a lot of um, traditional style beers as well
3: yeah, but uh, what do you think about that uh this i i, I mean looking back you know b- before whatever the modern age uh you know our friends Dennis and Joe Fisher in Maine, they wrote a great book called home Brewer's Garden um you know they talked about recipes with dandelion and, and other you know forage products and ginger, um, and that seems what you 're going into, which is awesome and cool but yeppe have have you been experimenting with any ingredients like that like locally sourced herbs and
2: uh, not foraged really, ingredients not and really actually, and the reason i it 's not a choice i 've taken, but some a lot of people actually a lot of brewers are actually doing that in denmark they 're very like local and we only want to use danish ingredients So I kind of you know. I've kind of try to stay away from that because you know I want to, I don't want to do. Do so you want to be
3: like cliched like Noma? That rest. I don't
2: want to be. Yeah, I, you I don't work, want to get I, seaweed from the beach. I actually, I work with Noma. I've made two <laughs> house beers for Noma. One will, one, one is with juniper. Uh, it's a, it's a dunkel, uh, you know, German style dunkel with juniper, and I made a pale with oxalis, which is uh, like an herb that grows in the forest. So I've, I've done that, but. Only for Noma.
3: If you don't know, listeners, Noma has, for the last couple of years, been the number one rated restaurant in the world. It's in Denmark and Copenhagen. But it's funny. The reason that I, I bring that up, Alex, is that it sounds like what you're doing in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, you sound like you're the most locavore brewer I've ever met if, if you're using all these like particular herbs and ingredients. That sounds pretty cool. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's... we 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 try to use
7: as much local as we can, but it's not all locally sourced, obviously. I mean... It, our price point would be off, off the charts if we were trying
2: to do that all the time. Mm. Was the pig head local? I say it again. Yeah. the pig head was that local? Oh
7: yeah, yeah. I was just saying that. Yeah, you're kind of cutting in and out on me now. Right. Um, yeah. We try to use as much local stuff as we can, but you know, obviously, if we did that all the time, our price point would be off the
3: charts. Well, Alex, i say th- thank you for calling in, dude. And and we're definitely going to talk more because it sounds like you're doing something that no one else is doing in America. And uh, we'll keep up with you. Again, Alex McDonald, A&G Home Brewing Supply and the Earth Eagle Brewing up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. All right. So we're just going to chat amongst ourselves a little bit. Uh, Josh, uh, you brought another really great, amazing uh, American beer. What is it?
5: Yeah, it's kind of topical right now. That's the yeah, Heady Topper from Alchemist. And, you know, I mean, you can't believe what they say on the, the rating sites, but on Beer Advocate, it became the uh, top-rated, most lessed after beer today. And so it's a really amazing can, super fresh, double IPA. We are up in Vermont. It was canned maybe about a week ago and it's just it's really great I I'll mean, say no.
3: that I like it one thing and I know it's, I, there's a thing about the cult beers mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not always I think that there's so many good beers and so many beers that I want I, I can load up a, a draft list or something I, there's way too many beers for me to drink and, and I love this beer but honestly, when yeppe came on tonight his first beer was the Hipster Ale mm-hmm. I feel like the nose was almost more of a hot bomb mm-hmm. than this Heady Topper hmm what do you guys think it's controversial.
4: Yeah, that, that's, that is pretty controversial. I mean, they're two I, different beers.
6: I, I'll quote you on it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had on the, the can, hipster Jimmy.
6: Ale, so we could compare. But, oh, man, there's no more alas. hipster
3: Well, they're both in cans. Maybe that's a comparison. I don't know. It could but. be. Okay, one more beer. What are we drinking next? This is pretty awesome. I mean, the lineup here. And Ben, you brought some things uh, from beer. Well, I brought we
4: drank a, we drank some of my saison or some of, you know some of Joe and my saison earlier. And we also have a, uh, a a Cascadian Dark that we brought with us uh, that Joe made for our New Year's Eve celebration. That was basically just the staff. Who's Joe? Oh, Joe's our brewer. You have Joe's a brewer our at BeerCraft? Brewer. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's our buyer slash slash brewer. I mean, um, I own the place and I do. I'm basically the 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 janitor I built I build and fix everything so um, you know Joe really takes care of a lot of uh, a lot of stuff for us so this is uh, th- this uh, dark ale that we've got here is his uh, it's called hotter knot and it's a uh, it's a Cascadian dark here we can open so, wait, it
3: up. so you guys you guys make beer for fun and beercraft
4: well we make it for fun eventually we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be licensed we're in the middle of getting our license right now so we can sell our uh our house brewed stuff.
3: And wh- where will your brewery be? At Beercraft? Yeah, yeah. Wow, what kind of license is that?
4: Um it's it's called a restaurant brewer's license. But um it's basically it's kinda like a uh it's kinda like a, a brew pub license except for I can't sell for resale. I can only sell out of beer craft. Yeah. Really, we, we're getting the license to, to subsidize our home brewing habit, is what you No, know, really that's amazing. And to. I
3: know that our good friend Chris Kuzma in New York has taken our res brewer at the 508 Gastropub mm-hmm. in Manhattan. Which also has the same license, so there's a lot of potential I, I would say this looking at two thousand and thirteen if you want to be a brewer whether you 're going to be a gypsy brewer or you want to have a, a little restaurant brewing license it, it might be the year to to go legal guys if you 're out there <laughs> homebrewing. brewing Do it you think, know why not
5: I think in new york yeah. city we 're going to see things explode next uh, they're this year they're exploding they're yeah. exploding ha it 's getting
4: crazy i you know i have I have one uh, question for yeppe um you were talking earlier about uh, beer culture in, in Denmark and um, beer culture in the US and, and how they're kind of like they're a bit similar. Everybody's a little bit more adventurous. Do you think that has anything to do with our lack of beer culture, like kind of like predecessing that? Like we yes. you know, we, we had loggers <laughs> and then we had prohibition, and then we had nothing. Until the '80s, when all of a sudden
2: I think, we had something. Do you think that has a lot to do with it? I think it does. Um, Denmark, as an example, is is a perfect example because you know we have Denmark for being such a small country and having a very big brewery called Carlsberg that we all know mm-hmm. has pretty much had the monopoly in Denmark for the last 150 years. And you know when I was young and started drinking beers and all. Carlsberg were the only beer you can get you can get Carlsberg you can get the spin-off of Carlsberg like other brands that Carlsberg owned or you can get imports that Carlsberg imported and that's pretty much what we could get and I think you know the whole you know they talk about a beer revolution in Denmark uh, the last 10 years and I think it came from you know you know going against Carlsberg kind of like going against your parents when you were a teenager and you know <laughs> we can't have Carlsberg controlling what, what what we drink in Denmark so I, I think that's totally true
3: all right, we're going to have to wrap it up in a few minutes. Let's just go across the room and everyone tell us what's going on in the new year. Ben, what's happening at BeerCraft besides becoming a restaurant brewery?
4: Yeah, we're waiting on a brewer's license. Uh, there's a tasting every Tuesday all year long and a draft event every Thursday. Um, I don't know, and, and we just we just always have a lot of beer.
3: You guys have a lot of beer. Ryan, Adobe Blues in Staten Island.
6: Yeah, we have a lot of beer also, uh, <laughs> and we keep getting more. So uh, we got Coast to Coast hosts coming up. Um, uh, next week,
3: January 5th, and we'll actually next have Wendy Littlefield awesome. from Van Bergen De Wolf on our show next week, That's talking awesome. about coast the Shh. new New York City coast to coast trip right, because right. she got awesome. wiped out in Hurricane Sandy. So. Yeah, so
6: we're doing that. Um, hope to line up some more secret beers for Adobe. Um, yeah, just keep rolling, do some more tap takeovers. Cool,
3: and you know, on, on near the bar, you've got a horse saddle, kind of yeah.
6: sitting
5: out. I'm yeah, due to when go are there, you and w- over? one
3: day I will come on and, and ride that thing.
6: Awesome.
5: Awesome. All right. I'll be waiting. And
3: Josh Bernstein, what's going on? What's going would, on in 2013? I, I would pay to watch
5: Jimmy Ride a Horse saddle. <laughs>
3: oh, we're, we're going to Adobe <laughs> Blues. And I'll pitch now. in on that. I will definitely pitch in on that.
5: Uh, in 2013, besides the app it's running along, I have another uh, book coming out this fall called Complete Beer Course, which is going to be the uh, ultimate start-from-scratch guide for people that are just getting into craft beer. So that will be out in September. And so I'm still working on finishing that up. And besides that, Brewed Awakening is still out and about.
2: All right. Yuppie? Yeah, I have a lot going. I mean, first of all, I'm gonna do more, do more beers, and you know, get more beers out there. Uh, we have been under capacity for a long time, so that will hopefully help a little bit. What, what's
3: your favorite bar in Brooklyn? Where do you hang out the most?
2: Uh, I hang out at Spieden because I live close and I like Joe, the owner a lot. So, it's
3: ladies, if you want to meet Yappy. Go to Come. Spite and Dive another Good Beer seal bar. Exactly. All right. Thanks for everybody. <laughs> Again, shout out too. to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. We cannot do it without you and Heritage Radio Network. If you want to be a member, go to heritageradienetwork.org. Our big event for New York, New York City Beer Week is coming back at the end of February and New York City Brewer's Choice is coming back February 27th. Go to goodbeerseal.com. You can buy advanced tickets now. They will not be discounted. They will only go up and we've already sold like one third of the tickets. Scott Ficar from Captain Lawrence will be the key Know, speaker this year we've got some great brewers including Yuppie's coming not even am. know it but he's going to be there yeah, I, I am alright and Barrier's coming back I, I just got the, uh, the they brewed at Gang, the Barrier relief beer I got a delivery today um, there's a lot of cool things going on in New York City in beer. And check out goodbreasile.com. So thanks again to everyone. And let's give a sign-off. Thanks to Yeppe, Josh, Ben, Ryan, and Alex for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Insley and Brio O'Connor, and our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Yeah. School,